Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello, welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity to present special guest Lynn Bauman to the show today. Lynn has been featured at women's expos throughout the country. Teaming with actress Deidre Hall to write and publish Deidre Hall's Kitchen Close-Up 2010 and Deidre Hall's How Does She Do It 2012. In previous lives, she won national awards as a creative director for Silicon Valley Companies, was creative director at EJ Gallo Winery, advertising manager at Red Ken Laboratories, and freelance for agencies in San Jose, Los Angeles, and New York. She has also worked as an actress, makeup artist, screenwriter, illustrator, legal journalist, and television weather personality. Lynn has three grown children, two absolutely perfect grandchildren, and is the president of the Pescadoro Foundation. She and her husband have a small farm on the coast of Northern California. It's a great pleasure that I welcome Lynn to the show. Welcome to the show, Lynn. Thank you. And you know, I had to leave some stuff off that resume. <laughs> Believe it or not. You know, when you live long enough, you do a lot of stuff, right? Absolutely. That's, that's some of it right there. Yeah. And and just to be clear about the record, I was the worst weather person ever in the history of broadcast. What was that like? <laughs> you know, I have to ask you that. Because okay, well, what it's like, it, this was in North Carolina, the NBC affiliate in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I showed up fresh from Hollywood. Right. And all set to it. And I thought I was going to be doing an anchor kind of thing. And they said, well, yeah, but let's do some weather first. You need to do weather. Well, I didn't know damn about weather, nothing. I mean, from LA, right. I'd never even seen weather. I had no idea what weather was. And the, the, the camera guys were high school kids and we worked from, from pieces of paper taped up on the camera. You know, this was not Hollywood, right? This was Wilmington, North Carolina. So it was quite an experience for me. And I tried to fake it, tried to get through. I called the airport and I did whatever I could to get some weather up there. 
And the week I started work, Jason, was the worst storm they'd had in 100 years. <laughs> so here I am. I don't mean to laugh at your, I just, I feel the energy of the story and I just feel like it makes me. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. I mean, and I was, I was dressed wrong. I was, everything about it was wrong. And these poor folks locally, farmers and so on, who actually needed the weather news to be, well, they weren't going to get it from me. <laughs> so I don't know how many of us, I think a lot of us have had shitty jobs, wrong jobs. I hundred percent. That's why I, I actually think I laugh because it makes me think of experiences I had earlier in my career where you're in an office environment and you just don't feel comfortable there after a certain amount of time you leave or, yeah. you know, it's just something like that. And you, and you yeah. just realize you need to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course now the whole weather person kind of thing is, is a bit of a joke. And I laugh too. I don't have a TV and I haven't most of my life, but every once in a while in a hotel or whatever, I'll see a local weather person and it's this kind of Fox news with the hair and the makeup and the, you know, kind of bare chest. And, the, and you think, whoa, that's, we're still there. That's where we are. Goodness. So that was not a highlight of my career, but we learn from these things. Yeah, right? of, course, of course. We do learn. I learned I was not cut out to be a weather person in broadcast. Like, it was a rung in the ladder. It wasn't the final destination. But also because I'm extremely old, and I'm proud of that, by the way. And it's part of my, my shtick, my message, because I want everybody to get extremely old. It's it's a great time in your life. I don't see you as extremely old in my energy. Like when I feel your energy, I feel like you have a younger energy than you. Well, thank you. I do. Yeah. I'm a pistol, but I'm 75. And, and I love talking about that because so many people have this weird idea about later life, what we look like, what we want to do, how our life is and retire retirement. What's that? And, and a, a thing I like to talk about, maybe we can get around this. I don't know, but is how do you want to die? People tend to not want to think about planning the end of their life. I had somebody come on one of my earlier seasons who does that end of life planning, like life coaching for end of life planning or helping to make sure that that those stages are handled. And it's more of an emotional coaching thing and also grieving. And and, I I mean, it's spiritual. It's very multidimensional when you really think about it. There is such a thing, you know, this as a good death. We, you know, this is a thing I want for myself and I want it for you and all those people. I love a good death. But what I'm talking about too, is how do you want the last five, 10 years of your life to be? How do you want the last year to be? It's so much within our control. We really do get to choose. You know, it's weird. It's like anything else. You need to plan ahead. You don't need to. You absolutely shouldn't wait until the last few weeks to do the plan. You need to be thinking a few years ahead. I've always seen myself as being active in my later years mm-hmm. and just continuing, not at a crazy pace, but just still being like the kind of stuff because when you're passionate about something, you love it, you can keep doing it. And I Absolutely. feel like, like, I feel like and that's you, part of aging, when you read yeah. about longevity, it's people who have a real intense desire to do what they're doing and to share it with people and to keep doing it. So that's, that's key. Absolutely. But I, I tease people about, especially you guys, you, y'all think you're going to die in like fast and furious. 
you know, you're going to go off a cliff or you're going to fall out of a plane or you're going to be riding a speeding horse. No, no, no. You know, the, the, it's dictated very much by the way you're living your life now. And if you are not eating sensibly and carefully, if you're not exercising, if you're not taking responsibility for how your health is, you're going to spend those last five, 10, 15 or so years in a wheelchair with somebody pushing you around and maybe your memory will be and you know can so the time to think about that is now i want you to think about it now because i want you partying the last 10 or 15 years of your life (laughs) it's like achieving that nutritional or that balance between all your aspects of your being i also envision spirituality in that and i see yes strong meditation i feel like the energy that you do is like very meditative very reflective maybe but also i'm a grandma i'm a woman and i have spent a lot of my life cleaning a house and caring babies and you know gathering food and cooking and I'm very grounded, Jason, in the earth. I mean, and and I want to bring that to the discussion because I think that's healthy. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, I've been in the executive suites, you know, I've been in the Gulf streams, I've been on those boats. And that is kind of fun and interesting at times, but it's not necessarily a rich and happy. Existence. I have to smile while you say this because I agree with what you're saying. And I, when I look at people who amass all these large wealth, and I feel like they should be more altruistic and try to create something to give back instead of having lavish, expensive stuff. I just feel like there's a certain level to that. But for me, I just would never do that. You know. Well, and we we hear some discussion now about enough which I love that. Yes. Enough. What's enough? How much is enough? Are you enough? Am I enough? (laughs) And again, for me, you know, there've been lots of bumps along the way, but as a young woman, I wanted family. I, I lost my family. And, and so I had a deep desire to build a family, a loving, good family. That was my wealth that I aspired to. And I knew that part of that was physical health, that you literally could not have a successful family. You couldn't have successful finances. You couldn't do artwork. I mean, all these other things depended on you being healthy and strong. And, and so those were guiding lights through all that crazy career stuff that you read in the beginning of the show. And in those days, Jason, we didn't start out with a career plan, women. I graduated from high school in 1964. We, we were lighting the world on fire, literally. <laughs> My mom's your exact age. So yeah. she went to Woodstock. Okay, and, there you yeah. go. So That's I was raised sure. with that understanding like my whole life. It's pretty cool. It's very, right. it's very inspirational. I, I love the idea of empowerment. Because um, as women, you know, we have been taught that, well, what are you going to do? You're going to get married and you're going to have some kids and there you go. That's it. And we hope you like that because that's all that's available. You could be a nurse. You could be a secretary. If you, nah. can, <laughs> you can go higher. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I have 
absolute respect for nurses and secretaries. It's not about that. It's that those were the only options, except you could be on the, the crew of an airline if you could keep your weight below 125 pounds and single and not pregnant. And I keep saying that you may have heard it before from me or others, but you youngins don't remember that, you know, you don't, you don't have that visceral memory like your mother and I do. of yeah, a time. I'll be honest. I could tell you point blank. We didn't have that memory of that because no, for whatever no. reason, it's just different generational or the way it was handled. When your mom and I graduated from high school, we couldn't go to Harvard because it wasn't co-ed. And when when young folks think about that now, it, you just think, well, wait, what? That's like you missed a, one of the strongest opportunities at the time was exclusive to the negative aspects of things and not allowing everyone who should be justly considered. I mean, that's how I. And if we're not careful, we'll be back there because there's a great movement to to push women again aside. I had a premonition. I'll tell you this. Oh, goody. That there would be a large women's movement coming up. A very large one that we've never seen before, but it's going to be motivated by current events and just other factors. And I feel like it's going to be like a, it's going to be kind of like a harmonizing aspect of things. It's going to be sensible, harmonizing. It's a woman's movement though. Ooh, fun thing to sensible. Yeah, and, and it's strong. And I, I, I felt so empowered because I was walking at the time when I had the premonition of it. And I felt like I just had a, a sea of women just walking around me in this protest, kind of strong energy, changing politics, changing D.C., changing culture, like a wave, like a, a movement, like it will change. Grandma power. <laughs> I really I believe it. I, I feel it's going to be multi-generational female, though. Because oh, sure, absolutely it needs but, to be though. You realize that you guys are the majority anyway, sixty percent, I believe, the voting. And honey, sorry, but we're the brains. I'm saying it's 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 gotta <laughs> be respected, and I just I get speechless when I talk about it sometimes because it frustrates me. I, I, I we kind of slide backwards sometimes, and we've got we do. And boy, you read the paper every day, and there it is, right there. There is plenty of movement in the opposite direction, but you, I don't think you can take three or four or five, six decades of educating women, empowering women, you know, having women win these battles one after another and people seeing what happens when you have women at the table when we weren't, but when we are at the table, the results are different. And you know what? They're better. The profits are higher. I mean, all the data is in. And so that's even scarier though for the misogynists, let's say, who would prefer not to have women involved uh, because we outperform the all-guy enterprises. And, I, you know, a thing this weird to talk about with you, but, hey, why not? I think women do warfare very differently. Women, it's not that we don't understand that some things need to be fixed and some people need to be whacked and these things, but... I like what you're bringing up right now, to be honest with you, because I think it needs to be spoken about. I like this. I do too. And we, we women are so, we're not performative about it. It's like, we're not the fast and furious. The way we do business is somebody just disappears. Like, oh, uh uh-huh. Gosh, funny thing. They're gone. Women like clean and tidy and quiet. We don't like to do giant explosions and 
bloody messes and so on. We've been cleaning them up for thousands of years. So we, we do have some of the same desires when it comes to changing the system, changing the people in the system and so on. But we go about it in a very different way. I would say more strategic and tidier. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring this up. Like in the 70s, the Equal Rights Amendment, when they tried to have that, right? Mm-hmm. And you saw what happened. Yeah. It, it never became reality, right? So yeah. look at this now, what, uh, 40 or 50 years later? It's like we're a democracy striving for all these ideals. Yeah. Yeah. We well, gotta- it's, it's terrifying to a lot of people. It's even terrifying to a lot of women. Uh, you know, and there's a religious aspect to it. We know that we have this big divide in the country today between the very, very conservative, religious, evangelical side of uh, society and the more liberal, less restricted side of society. And it's getting harder and harder for them, both sides, to have this conversation. And I, I don't know, here I am with you. What can we do to help? I actually... Jason, I talk about very traditional things in my book and in my work. I'm always talking about bringing people back to the kitchen table and bringing the kids to the table and having the kids cook and eat with you and all these things, because we've sort of. I like that idea. It's like creating the more comfortable, simple side of the past, like comforting and creating a reassuring feeling. I feel like the message. But it's also where your real education comes from. And at least it did mine and my children. My kids have all come back to me after getting all their degrees and doing all that stuff. I was a single mom, raised three. And they've all come back and said, you know, I I learned more about marketing at your table than I ever did in, you know, at Harvard or Berkeley or whatever. And That's a very specific thing, but I think we parents tend to underestimate how much culture gets transferred at the kitchen table. That if you don't do that at the kitchen table, when and where do your kids get that? How do they know what you thought about 1968? How do they know what you thought when you saw your first brilliant movie in the 70s. I mean, and no one is eating dinner together anymore, right? It's just, it's all drive through and- You're right, either fast food or microwave food, you know, something you heat up real quick on the go. Right, so I'm a huge proponent of the health aspect of eating good food at the table at the right time. We'll talk about that if you want. But to me, it's such a cultural, pin and maybe this is just because of my age but i i want everybody to have that i want my grandchildren to have that with me and their parents at the table i want them to know me that's one of the most sacred beautiful things you could wish for her is your family yes yeah i have a new grandson his name is wolf congratulations and he's he wolf erickson he's 4 months old he's crazy about me And I am crazy about him. I mean, it's so, I would like to see, here's one for you. It should be 
standard practice, it should be in the statutes that no one can be elected to public office if they haven't been up all night with a baby, if they haven't scrubbed a floor from end to end, if they haven't cleaned a toilet that wasn't theirs. I mean, I've got a list and it changes you and it opens you and it makes you understand what life is about. And if you haven't done those things, the hell can you know? Uh, so that's what I think. I understand what you're saying. I think the way I look at certain things is family is so important. It's such an important part and core part of who you are. Yes. And without that, you don't have the proper foundation. So I, I, res- I respect that as like a foundational thing in my life, at least. And the idea of what you're, you're discussing is like bringing people around the table again, picking like we see at five o'clock when I was a little kid. And my grandmother, because I was a single parent family myself. So my grandmother would, would cook for me. My grandfather, and my mom would come in after work, my brother. And so I remember that. So what you're bringing up kind of really resonates in that respect. Like trying well, to have kind of having that effort, everybody making the effort of meeting at the same time, coordinating the schedule, schedule. Well, and helping out. I, I you yeah. see families now where the kids are like little B and B guests or something. They run in, they eat their food, or they take their food and they go. Not in my house. You know, everybody took their plate. They loaded the dishwasher. They helped cook. We shopped together. The kids all knew how to do, how to read labels and how to buy groceries and what was That's like a life lesson right there. It's, it is the biggest one. If you can't (laughs) source food intelligently for yourself, what can you do? When you think about it, it's the most basic survival thing. And so many of us now know virtually nothing about what we're eating. Driving through, you're, you're eating some big food company's idea. Pre-packaged, pre-prepared, you know, prior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's changing. It's starting to change a bit. People like me are out here screaming, like, stop, stop eating the point. Because it's literally made us, most of us, sick. And, you know, starting with kids seven, eight, nine years old, having plaque in their veins, which didn't used to happen at all. But the we are up against big food, which is a thing. These are the large companies that are selling you the large preponderance of the food that you eat. And they are not at all interested in your health or your happiness. They are interested in selling you more of that food. Profit. And I'm putting air quotes around food. It's not food. So uh, until we are conscious enough to turn away from that and put our attention on the earthly things that matter, the health won't be there. Well, what I like is how you describe the balance of things. And I respect that because I think you need that when you look at the kind of issues as having a balance. I can see is like a, when I tap into the energy of it, it's very healing. Well, um, when I sent you a note to talk about being with you on the podcast, and I, I deeply feel that tea with grandma at a table is as healing as anything you will ever do medically in your life, in the world. <laughs> 
And, and I have, this is, you see it behind me. That's one large table. This is my studio that we're in. I have a kitchen with a table uh, that I also <laughs> love. And I've, uh, a lot of political stuff has happened there. I invite people to come and sit with me and have food and have tea. People have sat and refused to have food, but they did come and they did sit. And <laughs> I just saw a picture of Putin and Macron having a conference and the table between them must have been 30 feet long. I saw that. <laughs> it looked like the great Bupaka. Right. And you think, like, why are they so far boys, apart? Boys. <laughs> Why is so far apart? What's the part of that? Like, where is your grandma right now? She'd be the babushka. She'd be going, "Stop it! You can't possibly talk like this. This is crazy. You need to sit eye to eye and talk and have some tea and talk and maybe some food, some good food." Yeah, we've we've gotten off track with that kind of thing. Well, I think it's something you could advocate for as a message of empowerment to focus back on tradition or focus back on some traditional eating habits and eating, eating, I wouldn't say rituals, but I'd say they're sacred moments, sacred family time. Right. I mean, think about how else you want to call it, but it's but eating is a sacrament. It's communion. Uh-huh. It's not food. It's, it, you know, we, we've sort of started treating it just like this shoveling fuel in, and, and you're missing the whole point about eating. Eating is sharing food. You know, look at all the animals around you. Oh, yeah. How they share food with each other is a huge part of their relationship with the earth or how they share your food. But humans, it's, it's big. And if you're not teaching your children what food really means, what communion really means, what company means, we're, we're missing something really, really important. You know, we're all in our cars. Are you, you're not commuting now, right? Or not commuting as much as I used to. No, I work from home. Basically I do this stuff. Well, and COVID has been this strange gift in a way to a lot of us. And I, I have so many young women friends who are just frantic taking their kids here and there and everywhere. And now they've got kids at home because of COVID and they're not in school and so on. So what got thrown out of the Conestoga wagon was meals together. They hard, I mean, I, I haven't talked to a single family that has said to me, Oh no, we eat dinner at night together. We sit up. No, 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 they don't. They're separate in rooms or do they have like their phones in front of them or tablets or are they just they're like, not even sitting together. They're, yeah. they're just, it's everybody. Has other, right. So I will submit to anybody in that situation. What's most important Mandarin and martial arts and ballet. I mean, and these are important things, but you have to choose And I would say that choosing not to eat as a family routinely, that's a choice that you're making that is maybe not a wise choice. I would want to. I agree with that. I think think it's part of the traditions. It's part of the memories. It's part of shared experiences. It's. Yeah. And it's part of teaching. I mean, a mountain lion, mom, we've got them right here on my place. 
They literally teach their babies how to hunt, what to hunt, what to eat, where to find it, how to kill it, how to hide it. They teach their children all that. How are we doing as humans on that? Terribly. Maybe not so great. And I do live out in the country here. And so I'm surrounded by wonderful young farmers who are regenerative, regenerative farmers who are doing really good work with the earth and the animals to, to try and, and get some of that uh, good relationship with the dirt back that we all need. But I think that if you're, if you're just roaring through Mickey D's and going home with a bag of something, yeah, it's kind of your guts up, but you're just you're you're really missing this whole cultural thing that that you will regret, I think, at some point. What about for families that don't have that dynamic? How do you feel that they should try to develop that? I know that's something probably you feel very important. Like, how do you think they could change that? Well, first of all, you have to make a decision like anything else in your life. You have to decide that it's a good idea to make a change. And once you make that decision, implementing it is piece of cake. My book it tells you everything because you just need to equip your kitchen a little bit differently, maybe better. You need to work a schedule out a little bit better that works for more of you. And you need to stop being your children's servant and start being their teacher. And once and people often ask me, how do I get my kids to eat vegetables? Here's a simple answer. Do you know the answer? I would say it's, it's like, you, you've got to show that it's important to have it for nutrition is how I would look at it. And I kind of, I would explain it probably from that perspective. That's just my approach. It's like, you need the, the balanced nutrients and the vegetables provide. So I'm very nerdy like that. If your grandma was right here right now, <laughs> she would totally agree with me that you, if what the kid cooks, the kid will eat. What yeah. the kid grows in their garden. The well, I see what you're saying. Get them to grow it, get them to cook it. Get them to do and it. Get with them with it better. Yes. Incorporate into their routine. I get it. Yes. When it stops being a thing that you're pushing on them that you've done and, and starts being what they are doing and they become competent at and they realize that it's yummy because they did it. There you go. Now you've totally won the battle. Totally. And it's a paradigm them. shift. Yes. You and get them to do the proper it. paradigm shifts and then they start catching on. And then yes. That's how I see it. It's a, that's very cool. <laughs> Well, it, it's so simple, isn't it? It's yeah. so simple. And the whole reasoning behind my approach to food is just it's whole food, plant-based, nothing strange about it at all. I do talk about timing of eating and I talk about sleep because that's another thing that families get kind of messed up about. Tell us about brownies for breakfast. <laughs> Okay. So brownies for breakfast, I, I conceived of, I'm diabetic. I'm type two diabetic. I have been since I was in my forties and, and I never found anything that, that was really helpful. You know, I went to the classes, I got the stuff to read and so on. It was just, ew, you know, grim and dull and not fun and 
the food was, and I didn't even think it was true. Well, it turns out it wasn't good science. The science has improved a lot. And I've studied and studied to make sure that I understood what was going on with the science. And then I'm proud and happy to say that at this age, I'm still fine. I'm still out there duking it out with people. And that's excellent. And, yeah. And dancing. I, I feel so inspired to hear that. That's phenomenal. And, and I want that message to go to people. You, you can make a decision to control and or reverse your chronic disease. You can do it. And you do it with food and sleep and exercise. And when I say exercise, I don't mean, I mean, I do go to a little class three times a week, which I love. It's my girlfriends. It's local. We do TRX and we do Pilates and all this stuff. And I absolutely love it. But I have a treadmill too. And I go out and walk. And all you need to do is just walk, you know. Walk for me. I go walking. I like, yeah, it clears my walk. mind. It feels yeah. like it connects me back with like Absolutely. nature. Right. And it, and I call and it like nature therapy. <laughs> go for all these people talking about, well, well, the absolute maximum performance is, you know, you have to do this and you have to leave time between. Your, no, 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 it's okay. Don't worry about it. Just go out and walk. And hopefully with someone you like, you know, that's a great way to walk. Uh, or a kid, grab a kid, take a kid along. So, and sleep is magic. It's so curative. And I learned this relatively recently. I didn't know this, that the only time you really heal, Jason, the only time your body is able to really get in there and fix those cells is in deep sleep. I believe that. <laughs> That's like when you're in your deepest relaxed state of mind. Yes, yes. Like and there's, there is a thing called autophagy, which is the system in your cells that cleans them out, that gets rid of the dead tissue and makes them strong again for the oncoming stuff. And that only takes place when you're not eating and you're not doing stuff. You need to stop so that you're, which spiritually think about what this teaches us too. You need Reflection. to stop. You need to stop and, and let it, work let it go and it works it's magic but you have to stop shoveling food in and doing pull-ups and stuff you need to stop and so when people talk about timing of meals i i've seen really good results with not eating anything after three four in the afternoon maybe five don't eat at night and this is uh, some of this comes from ayurveda which you're probably familiar with. It's a very old system of health and medicine. Food is medicine. Thousands of years old. I mean. Yeah, yeah, very old. But it's great advice. And and your grandma, again, if she was here, I could see her standing behind you going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't eat after dark. If you, you, you eat when the sun is high and energy is high and your digestion is cooking, that's when you eat. And you don't have to eat three meals a day. You don't, you shouldn't be eating all the time. Sit, have a meal, eat it slowly and reverently, enjoy it, enjoy it with people. That's, and then that's mindfulness too. Yes. Being mindful of the moment, being mindful of yes. your current yes. life right it's now and our breathing energy right here in this conversation. It's right. a deeper feeling of things, right? It's a deeper appreciation. Yes. 
you know, and be grateful for your food, be grateful for your company. Uh, and again, it's not original with me, not at all. This is a thing that a lot of us think about and practice, but I, I think American families particularly have sort of lost this connection at the table. A lot of people don't even have a table. You know, they've got TVs, they've got couches, they have. I've noticed that when you think about it, they don't have that. They have like consoles, like little tables instead right. of a kitchen table. Right. right. And I will also confess to you, since we're being frank with each other, which I love, I eat my breakfast most days. When I eat breakfast, it's on a tray in my bag, which because I'm old. And that was a vision that I had. I thought when I am an old lady, I am going to sleep in. I'm not going to be up at five like I am now. And I am going to have a lovely breakfast on a tray in a beautiful bed, in a beautiful room. And I do. And I enjoy it. And of course, now I have my electronics, right? So it's the coffee and the, and, the oh, yeah. and my, my iPad. And, and I'm happy as a pig in poop. But you need to have maybe one meal a day that is in community of some kind. And whether that's with your work associates or your family or somebody or, and I, I suggest this in a book, go down the hall and knock on a door, find somebody who would be just delighted to have a meal with you. Find someone. That's such a, that's such a, a warm message. That's an empowering message. It means so to much to people when you be invite out to each other, be kind to each other. Yeah. Be proactive. Yeah. So, and of course, COVID and everything, I know. Still, I'm sure if you think about it in your life, if you're eating alone all the time, you really think about it. I bet there's somebody. I bet there's someone who might be just delighted to meet you at the park and eat. Okay. Or come over to your place or go down the street. To, uh, they're all different ways to do this. Uh, and of course, I'm always hoping like, good, healthy food. But I actually yeah. feel like what you're describing is a lot of people coming out of the pandemic trying to socialize again after being kind of locked away for a while. Yeah. Especially up Northeast, like, you know, state, some states are stricter, but kind of describing, I was envisioning people kind of going back into trying to be in real life dating habits, not just being heavily dependent on online communication. Yeah. yeah. And a, a big part of my message too, you may know this because you've looked at my stuff, but I'm, I am emphatically sugar-free and, and I want to encourage people to break their addiction to sugar, which it is absolutely an addiction. And a lot of people can't even imagine living without sugar, but it, it is, and, and people will often say, well, what are the top one or two or three things you want me to do nutritionally? And number one, sugar, just drop it, just stop because it's in everything. So it's a, it's a matter of not eating much of anything that comes in a package or a bag or a box, reading all the labels, knowing what you're eating. But if you are consuming sugar, as most Americans are, you are feeding cancer cells, you are feeding your fat cells, you are making yourself chronically ill. So I want you to quit sugar. One and two, I would like to encourage you to stop eating dairy. And, I, you know, I can 
hear people's eyes rolling and their jaws cracking, but no milkshakes. <laughs> um, if you, if you want to feel great and look great and be happy and have your guts happy and your microbiome happy, no more dairy because you, and you know, this intellectually, I'm not the first person to come out here and say this. Yeah, no, it needs to be shared. The dairy that you eat now is not a happy cow that is, you know, these are tortured animals who, who are given antibiotics and they're living miserable lives. And that's what you're eating. You're eating the crap that they're eating and their antibiotics and so on. So one, give up sugar two give up dairy. I don't eat meat. I eat some fish. And that's the thing that you need to figure out on your own. But if, if you beat the sugar thing and you beat the dairy thing, and as a diabetic, I don't eat flour for the most, I don't eat wheat flour or rice and those things, those really super starchy things, but I eat fruit and I eat lots of vegetables and I don't go hungry. I mean, I eat whatever I want. I don't want anybody to go hungry. Yeah. And I don't think you need to. I think, I think when you give up those, those crappy foods, what happens is you discover all these lovely foods that you maybe didn't even know existed and they're good for you and they're delicious and they're easy. My, my book is basically a super easy cookbook. It's about the first third of it is the sort of whys and wherefores and some stories about how we, we got there. And then the, the second half, second two thirds are super easy recipes and the brownie recipe, for example, is made with pumpkin and nut butter and monk fruit sweetener. Sounds amazing. <laughs> and a couple of other things. It's delicious. It's you think you know that you're sacrificing something, but it's absolutely wonderful. And it's all healthy. It's high protein, it's high fiber, it's a meal. And there's cake recipes, pie recipes, all that macaroni and cheese, which you just you make it my way, and it's great food. But, and it doesn't have to be complicated. None of it has to be complicated. It's, it's not, but somebody has to get their butt in the kitchen and cut some vegetables, you know, chop something, stir something. And, and so that's the decision that you make that, okay, I'm going to stop driving through for everything and make it myself. You can eat pizza, just make it yourself. The good way. Yeah. I think there's a lot, there's a lot to say to that. I think it adds the value to the experience. And I also feel like it rebuilds that connection between the family. Instead of feeling disconnected, you're re-engaging each other because you're doing it in a way where everyone's collaborating. We also talk about your relationship with food because so many people have kind of a disordered relationship with food now. And if you don't know it, I bet you do because you talk to so many people, but this is purposeful on the part of the food manufacturers. They have made it impossible for you not to finish that bag of Oreos or Doritos or whatever. They are engineered. They are engineered. <laughs> You're right about that. You Think eat. about the commercials. Think about the commercials, right? I mean, but, even, but I mean, literally, they are chemically designed to addict you. 
And if you think I'm kidding, I mean, a wonderful book. Michael Moss is an author that's written a couple of wonderful books about the food industry. Very readable, research is impeccable, Pulitzer Prize winner. One of them is called Hooked. And it's about the food industry and how it operates. It's a real eye opener. If you if you haven't read it, I, I recommend it. It's really shocking. And, you know, and it's all it, it's it's based on what happened with tobacco. Right. They're in the same business. And in fact, it was R.J. Reynolds and, and Philip Morris who bought the big food companies, the, the, the big tobacco. Same, companies. same strategies. Same strategy. Exactly. Yes. If you think it's freedom for you to be narfing down a bag of some crappy food that you think you're totally entitled to eat, well, great. But you've been duped. You've been had. It's like you're putting the worst of the worst in your body. And you can't quit, baby. It's addictive. It's addictive. I mean, you can, but you do have to consciously make the decision to do so. And then you have to do it. And and here's the good news. You ready? Some good news. In two or three weeks, your saliva will change. Your body chemistry will actually change. And you will begin to notice that what tasted great to you three, four, five weeks ago doesn't taste that good anymore. And and you will suddenly start sniffing that arugula going, wow, that actually does smell really good. Tastes good. Smells good. But the RC Cola, ew. You need to give your body chemistry a chance to recover from your bad habits. I can understand that. You know, there's so many people in this country that are drinking still three, four sodas a day or more, even knowing, you know, this, <laughs> you know, it's bad. If you pour it down the drain, it eats the drain. I mean, that should oh, give I'm you some not. YouTube videos. <laughs> being accurate. And here's another one. Dentists are all screaming because patients are coming in good patients who've always had their teeth cleanings and they're affluent and so on. And their teeth are rotted out because of their Frappuccino coffees that they're carrying around all day. And they're putting that sugar against their teeth all day. Are you doing that, Jason? I don't do that. No. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> I have to holler at you. Um, I, don't, I don't drink that kind of thing. I, okay. I drink some iced tea, but that's, I also like hot teas. So <laughs> I kind of, I kind of do it for meditative purposes when I drink my hot tea, like I'll drink hot tea and I'll let it kind of put me in this like relaxed state and oh, help me meditate. Right. So no, I do it. That, I do it in that kind of way. It's like my own routine. Sugar. And sugar. I, I'm a great proponent for coffee. I love my coffee and I like it strong that's see that that's i could see that as examples of rituals that you could do during the day or not rituals but meeting time rituals they're rituals yeah yeah i still i mean i bring out my teapot frequently and use it well uh, with friends Uh, sure who doesn't love to be offered a brownie and a cup of tea i went to the uk when i was like maybe 15 years ago i've been there four times but i loved it and I studied abroad there. And that was part of that thing is like the tea and, and crumpet or tea and scones. Like, yes. but yeah, I I always respected that. 
I thought it was a really cool idea. I think it helps you connect to each other on a special way. It does, but it doesn't have to be scones and cream. Yeah, true. Clotted cream. We can do an updated version of that. (laughs) Absolutely. British people are suffering like we are now with terrible rates of heart disease and uh, diabetes and uh, obesity. Uh, because the British diet is, it's its the sad, the standard American diet, the sad diet has been exported now all over the world. And everywhere it goes, you can watch the health statistics just tank. And I'm sort of smiling while I say that, but I'm not happy. Um, just like your grandma would not be happy. It's a shame. It's wrong. And we need to fix it. And you need to start at your kitchen table. You can, you can fix it. When you say it, you can give people, that's so empowering because people could do it directly themselves. Oh. They don't need to rely on anyone else to do it. They could no. do it right after listening today, to this episode. This afternoon, you can do they it. They can listen to this episode and then they could go to their table and say, I want to do this now. Yeah. And my my book has, uh, you know, tells you everything you need in your kitchen. You probably have most of it already. And by the way, I have pictures in here of dogs and a weasel and some other things that you may never have seen in a cookbook. But it should be fun, right? And I mean, it's beautiful. Like eating, like eating healthy food is not punishment. You've been punishing yourself. Now, if you start eating wonderful food. I do intermittent fasting. Uh-huh. And I've been doing it for like almost six years now, five years. And I lost 55 pounds just doing that and balanced yeah. out. Absolutely. So, you, so what I just said, you don't have to eat three meals a day. Yeah. I, I appreciate what you're saying. Cause I, I connect on that level. Cause I've had, I do that myself. Anytime I feel like I need to go back to that more intensely versus I'll, I'll adjust it. And the research is catching up with us on this. The research is coming back and saying, this is the way that you can maintain a weight loss over life, doing what I'm talking about, eating whole food, plant-based food, eating as much, basically you're not limiting. I don't journal. I don't count calories. I don't even count carbs. I just, I know which foods to stay away from because they're just, they're not even good foods. So that plus the intermittent fasting idea, which is it put another way is just not always eating, (laughs) (laughs) not eating all day and all night. Stop at a certain point and, and let your, your digestive process take place. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a fan of that. And um, even as a diabetic, s- people are coming back saying, yeah, if you really want to control your hemoglobin A1C and your blood glucose and so on, just don't eat. So much. I think about though, it burns away the fat that's stored as excess fat that's on your body that you're carrying as excess right. fat. It's and not the, the difference is if you if you cut back calories as we all did for decades, you actually lower your metabolism. So makes losing weight really, really hard. Oh yeah, a lot of people plateau. Right. Well, I mean, and again, I'm not making this up. It's all out there. You can find it online all over the place. But if you fast, which is a funny word, if you let's say skip dinner. Yeah, there's a lot of different meanings to the word. That's why I feel like people attribute. Your body doesn't respond the same way as if you ate some horrible little low calorie thing for breakfast. It it responds by kicking you into high gear. 
instead of lowering your metabolism. So I invite you to read more. We're going to write another book, by the way, about nutrition. I, you know, I don't yeah. know. I, I love talking with folks about it. And I, there's something else you still going to be. I'm, I just feel the energy that you're going to come up with another idea that you're going to write about. And it's going to be successful. It's, it's going to be like not that long. Is this a reading, Jason? Are you doing a reading for me? I'm trying to read you, but it's off your energy right now. So I guess I'm reading you, but it happens during interviews. I don't deny it when it comes through, but I could use it because I didn't expect any of this. I mean, the whole podcasting thing, you know, what a, an interesting, strange gift this is. <laughs> You're right. And I wrote this book because I kind of had to, I, I needed to write it and get it done. And it was sort of my, my COVID. If, if I hadn't been marooned here on a little farm, you know, I probably wouldn't have finished it, but I did. And then you got this book and now you have to market the book. Oh, dang. And it's so different than this is my fourth book. And I've been in the industry a long time. And marketing a book now is absolutely nothing like it was even five years ago or 10 years ago. And so I had a number of people say, well, you got to get out. You got to do podcasting. What? (laughs) What? And so my kids, well, it's so interesting you say that. Cause when I first started my podcast in 2018, it was a call-in podcast. And then I went from that and I evolved into this and I have my YouTube channel with this and the audio for the show, but it's like, we all evolve, right? We all kind of grow and, and it, it's we such an interesting all thing. evolving. And of course it's interesting because there aren't a ton of people my age doing this. In fact, the smart money, my age doesn't even have a computer. You know, they're done. Like, Forget about it. But yes, it, it's been fun and exciting and interesting to reach out literally all over the world, you know, with. Absolutely. I, I feel like it's your, uh, we, we learn from each other, from the exchange of the information, from every single guest I talk with. Yeah. I gain so much perspective. Don't you? And I do. Like, even from us talking today and thinking about nutrition and thinking of how like food is so sacred and our exchange with that, it's, it's like enlightening for me. Well, and I don't know about you, but my idea of nutrition, it was a registered dietitian, you know, who would come in and say, well, here's what you can't eat. And then you need it four ounces of this and six ounces of this. And twice I love your voice. That. Well, <laughs> you know, this is the, this sort of stereotype and I'm sure it's unfair, but, but that, that was the way I thought about dietitian, right? Somebody with a little badge on and it came in a little white thing. And, and plus, if, you, if you're if you around the medical community at all, and my, my youngest is medical, she's a nurse practitioner and she'd be the first one to tell you this, and she has told me this, that it is true that most hospital food is execrable. It's the worst food. They are the worst about understanding. Well, How surprising is that considering you go to a hospital in order to... Thank you. They are not in business to cure people or to prevent disease. They're not in business to do that. They're in business to replace your knee. Think about that for a second. You're going to the hospital to heal and the food choice is there. No, you think you go to the hospital to heal. You go to the hospital to be fixed up when you have made yourself sick for the most part. That's true. Uh And so the, the hospital dietitian is not always your best resource for these things. 
but at, I don't know. I've started out going a different direction with this sentence and I've forgotten where I was. Right. <laughs> the whole idea of writing about nutrition was not a thing that I thought I was going to do because to me, nutrition was this dry, icky thing, but it turns out that nourishing yourself isn't just about food. It's about a lot of, it's about this circular business as I like the way that you 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 create the idea and the, and the reconnection of the family unit around the table. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. And it's about your connection with the earth. Yeah, so, I love that. I would think about it. if you could channel grounding energy of the earth while connecting with your family and enjoying the nutrition that you have in front of you. Like, and I think like you powerful. do all that when you just grow a little spinach in your garden, or you go to the farmer's market. Or you're just careful about sourcing your meat so that you buy grass-fed meat that is from a good source. Maybe you know the farmer or the cow, whatever. But conscious eating, I, I think, is is what we're talking about. And maybe it's spiritual eating, but it's eating with the idea that this is your connection with the earth in a really big way, as well as your people. And your future, as we've discussed, nobody's going to do it for you. Got to do it for yourself. You yeah. got to have the ambition. Yeah, you have to decide. You got to be empowered. Mm-hmm. And you got to be willing to take risks. And Well, wait a minute. What risk are we talking about? In life. I mean, nutrition, goals. I'm asking you in a way to stop taking risks on that crap that you're eating. Oh, I would for sure. I, I've actually been doing a keto diet for a while for myself. Okay. That's been just kind of cleansing for myself. How right many now. vegetables every day are you eating? I've been balancing it probably one or two. Okay. How about like a few more? Yeah, I'll have to, I have to improve that. <laughs> I'll have to read your book and, and learn from it in that respect. And I will. <laughs> I hope you do. Yeah. I would be happy to send you one. And if, if you want one for, do you do giveaway kinds of things? Yeah. Oh. yeah. All right. I haven't done anything like that yet, but I'm definitely open to doing it. I mean, I like. I, I, Jason, this is not a moneymaker for me. I make like nothing on this book, hardly anything at all, but it's my mission. I, the, and the more of them that get out there, the more people will feel better, look better, have better lives. That's what I want. So anything that that keeps moving these books out, I am happy to do. And they are available on Amazon. You can ask your independent bookseller. And and I'd love it if you do, because here's the deal. You go in and you say, do you have brownies for breakfast? And they say, oh, no, I don't think so. What's that? You go, you don't? It's like blowing up. It's the best thing ever. You don't have it? (laughs) They can get it from their wholesaler, Ingram Spark. They can order it for you. So it's a good way to get it, but you can also just, just get it online and it comes in a hardback or a paperback, or you can download it on your phone, which is not the fun way to do it. You need to have it in your kitchen on the shelf and open. So you use it. That's what I want. How does it feel for you to have a book out like that? It's gotta be such a, I mean, I know you've done other books and other projects, but How's it feel for you at this stage of your life? Because I don't consider you like, I feel you're on page 75 of your book, uh, in my mindset, how I view. And 
you have many other pages to go. Like you've got amazing stuff coming up and thanks, Jason. I hope so. I see that for you. You're strong energy. You're not fizzling out anytime soon. You're gonna be going I hope I hope not. Uh, but I, I do think there's definitely a place and a need for us oldies in society. I think I think we're missing a lot by shoving you know, a lot of wisdom. Aside. Think about all the generational things you went through, including what we went through as our generation on from like people who are in their mid forties, but it, it just depends. But there's a lot of knowledge there that helps with current issues. I think so. And we're fun. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Look where our conversation just went. I mean, we went in all these different directions, but at the same time, I feel like we had the most fullest conversation, like the full, like really full conversation of a lot of depth and a lot of it. I really enjoyed it. Just like you would have around the table. Yes. Yes. And, and and I, it was like the topics covered so many different areas that I, I love to have come to life on my show. I really appreciate it. Well, that's a fun thing about your shows. You do, you, you go all over the place and it's fascinating. So happy to be with you. Thank you. Same here. Same Even here. though it's virtual. Yeah. Yeah. But in the future, this stuff's going to recede. Things are going to change. I keep feeling it over and over when I meditate that by May and June, it's going to get better. And I wouldn't be surprised if it starts like next month. April and oh, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. And and my dream too is that I can meet you and others that I've met along the way, and we can do some kind of podcasting extravaganza. Yeah. Be in the same room, you know, and and absolutely finish this circle that we've started because we're all kind of warriors in this. We're we're all basically hoping for the same things, and. Um, it's amazing when you think about it, right? In the sense that the power we could have by working together or the, just to show, I always talk about increasing awareness of different topics. And that's why I think it's great for the audience to hear different things and they can draw their own conclusions, but they could hear different presentations of points of views, perspectives. I love that. And especially when you talk about nature and healing modalities and spirituality. So the stuff we talked about today falls squarely within the alignment of what my show or I aspire for my show. Although I, I was hoping to get a little bit of a reading here. Am I going to get any kind of a little reading from you <laughs> on where I'm going to go in the future on what I should be thinking about for my next steps? Cause I'm, I'm all ears. I'm here. I feel like you're going to be having some, there's going to be some changes coming up, but the changes are very positive. They work out for you and you're very relaxed afterwards. So to me, any anxiety or anything you've gone through in terms of what's going on right now or things ahead, you don't have to worry because I feel like it resolves itself over time and it's not that far away. I'm talking like by late spring. All so right. like it's two months from now, there's been a lot of turbulence and just different obstacles in your life that you've dealt with. And there's been issues as well with people not communicating effectively around you. And I feel like that's going to change and improve as you go into the spring. So people are going to actually like open up again or feel more relaxed. I feel like people have been kind of closed off in a lot of aspects of things and that that's going to change. And that I see you branching out more than what you're doing already. You're going to be branching out into other areas, you know, podcast galore. <laughs> I think you're going to do a lot of podcasting as a guest. And I feel like you're going to, you're going to really like spread, spread your message, spread your ideas. And that's going to help you. It gives you a meaning and a purpose. And yeah. that's something that's so important for you because you need to have a meaning and purpose and not 
waste time. Like, I feel like time's important for you and how you spend it is so important and what you have to say. And look what you're doing. I mean, you're promoting a book. I mean, how cool is that? On a podcast with me. Right here with you. Think about it, right? Yeah. And it's exciting. But and when you think about the energy of life and just what we've been through, but I think, you know, there's a lot more energy in you. That's why I said, I see longevity. I see, I see you doing like other projects coming up, not just what you've done now. And you're going to grow what you're doing and you're going to expand yourself and you're going to find um, enjoyment with it. It's like personal reward and enjoyment, abundance, but personal reward. I hope you're right. I, yeah, that, I look forward to that. I mean, I figure I've got maybe 25 years plus easily <laughs> get out there and make some trouble, more trouble. <laughs> yeah. Think about it though, with your plant-based diet, you could promote that idea as you become older. You could be like, look, Hey, I'm an example of nutrition and balance and, and living. And I'm, I'm happy to be poster girl for that. If that, I mean, that's a powerful message when you think about it, think about yeah. that for a second. Yeah. And there are a lot of people in this country who are diabetic or who will learn that they're diabetic. And that can be a very scary, negative thing. But I want folks to know that you'll be okay. Just do what I tell you and you'll be fine. That's why I find you inspiring because you've overcome a lot of obstacles like diabetes and these other things that you've gone through. But I love your message. I love, I love the redemption. It's like a, a redeeming message. It's like, well, and come home. <laughs> on the table. we can tell more stories the way grandma's like to around the table. Cause yeah, by the time you're this old, you've, you've done some stuff. Right? That's accurate. Yeah, <laughs> you've, for sure. You've been in some bar fights as my kids like to say, you've been a brawler and stuff has happened, but I'm a, this is, been a lot of fun for me, by the way. I just want to hey, share that. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I just want to thank Lynn for coming on the show today and sharing her personal experiences and having these topics that we get to dive into with nutrition and healthy eating and, and looking at life from a certain point of view where you're able to shift some paradigms. I'm all about that. I always tell people that there's things you can do to change how you look at things in the world and it can really make a positive impact. And I feel like that's a message that Lynn's here to talk about. And I really appreciate having her on the show and having us talk about brownies for breakfast and discussing the ways that you could directly yourself make an impact in your own life. And it starts at the dinner table. And I'd say be reflective. There's a lot to learn from this. And it's very positive. And I would highly recommend Lynn's book and check out her information will be in the show notes. I'll have all that in there as well. And if anyone would like to reach out to Lynn, I will be happy to provide that information to the show notes as well. Thank you so much. Stay positive because when you're positive, anything is possible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. 
We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast.